Okay. Okay. Part two. Uh, we are talking about the, uh, let's say, most useless hardware inventions of, uh, let's say, our lifetime, at least, in terms of computer hardware, software. Uh, doesn't have to be new ones. It can be old ones as well. Uh, this is this part is actually mine, so uh, I'm going to show you some of my personal favorites, roughly 10 of them or so. With that being said, this is That IT Show Podcast, our new episode. Let's roll in the intro and let's talk about it. Okay. Okay, this is this is my time to ask you uh first how are you and then uh what are your 10 or so uh let's say uh technical failures that didn't make any sense uh, when they started. And uh I was asking this question before we started. Mm-hmm. I honestly have absolutely no idea what this is, but I think that this is either found on uh, a random Chinese uh, USB junk site mm-hmm. or in a highly, highly specialized uh, <laughs> uh, web shop. Uh, on the eastern part people, of the world, uh, with, probably? Uh, no, no, no. A highly specialized web shop that deals with pleasures and uh, different things that you can do to uh, yourself or, mm, or, or to others. You. No, this is not that. But I'm fine. Thank you very much. And you're going to see what my... Uh, some of my personal favorites are it was actually quite difficult to select 10 of them because you could probably have a hundred and i'm sure you could as well uh this can i can i just interject with one thing yeah sure Uh, i need to i need to close the previous episode Uh, apple vision pro has become one of those things okay or yeah people have started returning them Yes, because the uh, the obvious thing that uh, was going to happen is that um, uh, Apple has a policy of you can return everything that you bought in 10 day- days after you bought it and get the full refund. And now the first 10 days have expired and people have returned the, the gadgets. Yeah. I've, I've seen posts all over the internet about this. I find this to be uh, not necessarily hilarious, funny in a way, definitely, but kind of expected, expe- uh, especially having in mind the way in which this was designed. I'm, I'm not even talk, going to talk about the lack of software. That's uh, to be expected. But the front-heavy design and less than comfortable, uh, let's say, approach that people have when they have that on their head is going to definitely, you know, take no prisoners. People are going to return them in hundreds, maybe even thousands. Yes, and do you know uh, ex- uh, the, what were the five main reasons why people are returning the Apple Pros? My first reason would be the lack of protection for the lens. From the inside. No, no. My, no, my personal no, one. Close. But okay. First, the uh, weight. Yeah. The weight distribution. Yeah. Because it is heavily, it is front heavily heavy. weighted uh, to, to, the, to the front. So you need to keep your uh, neck straight and you are straining your neck. Uh, eye discomfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people uh, said that they have a serious problem with having um, uh problems with vision after they have uh, they have worn the uh, unit for long but this is one of those things where i can say that this is probably the the, the thing that has uh, that is the when you deal with any uh, vr headset you are going to have these those problems and 
one of the reasons why people were uh, returning it that weren't the, that weren't mentioned in mass, but everybody tried to touch on it because nobody is trying to put it uh, put it front and center, is that Apple has completely forbidden uh, the porn on the uh, Apple Vision Pro. Do we really have to comment on that? No, but uh, I think this is one of those things where you you just need to understand what people want on their 3D uh, on, on their 3D uh, uh, visualizing uh, gadgets. And once you uh, once you uh, leave out one of those um, things that people actually use, you are going to get some backslash uh, on this. So. This is just this is just one of those things. So, what are these uh, magnificent magnificent USB powered hands? When I tell you the name of the product, you're probably gonna get do a head slap, realize instantly what this is, and then start ranting how useless it is. This is called the USB eye massager. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Just clue, clue me in. So this is uh, like a peripheral device that's shaped like, uh, I don't know if you watched the Three Stooges, but it's like eye-poking type of thing. Um, okay. Basically, the, the idea is that you're going to use this to kind of like massage your eyes. Like to relax. So it, it so vibrates? basically it's meant to be take like used around your eyes. Maybe maybe in a parallel universe it might help with some types of headaches or something. Okay, and it has what, two what, vibrating what is the settings. For? Yeah, vibrating settings. It has high speed and low speed. Um, you know, uh, probably at high speed you could do some serious retinal damage or something like that. I wouldn't want to try this at all. I saw this many, many moons ago when it was launched, and my first question, initial question was already, what the hell were you, these people thinking doing this? Why on earth would you risk blindness to use such a stupid device like having some plasticky, rubbery, two, uh, vibrating things poking in your eyes? That's my question. I have much, many, 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 many opinions on this. But uh, let's say that uh, I have seen and heard about uh, vibrators being used for different parts of the body, mainly for the spine and for the muscles, mm -hmm. because this is the main, the main use that they have. Especially nowadays, but, very popular. But I, uh, having having used the, those different shiatsu massaging things uh, and different, I never ever had. Uh, even a slightest idea of poking in, uh, into my head, uh, into my eye, and turning it on. I honestly don't understand who is the, what kind of a it, person is going to buy what's this. What's the intended audience of this? People who think that their vision is too, is too good. Yeah, because okay, there, okay, there's okay, okay, okay. so many different ways in which you can basically, you know, make your vision worse without having this kind of stupid device doing it. Do you have any idea on the volume uh, price? Uh, no. Anything? So this is just a, this is just one of those random things that you, that you found, found on the internet. Yeah, I found that on the internet, but I saw this many, many moons ago when it was launched and instant the question was, what the hell? So this had a launch? Yeah, yeah this was an actual product. This was not a paper launch. No, no, no. Okay, I know this is an actual product, but usually when uh, I see those products, these are just in the uh, curiosity section on some site. Mm -hmm. Nobody buys it, but uh, it just exists in the on the internet. 
and uh, you are not sure if this is a rendering or somebody just I heard, uh, created this thing out of thin, I heard thin, the, thin air. the stupidest rumor ever that the authors of this after this device were looking to create some kind of a back massager which makes sense but what doesn't make sense is back massager that cures cancer or something like that Oh, so they basically went into the normal snake oil, uh, snake oil uh, uh, territory and just decided they're going to just, just, just going to solve the world's problems using uh, an awful lot of weed. USB devices. I think no? that it was them smoking too much weed. Uh, no, no, no. I think this is this is just this is just marketing. This. <laughs> This is just the result of a very curious uh, marketing brainstorm. Yeah, this was heavily marketing research based sarcasm. You know, you know the thing when uh, they say that uh, there there are no bad ideas in the brainstorms. Yeah, there are. Uh, yes, th this is one of those. This, the, this bad marketing <laughs> brainstorm idea made it to the market. Actually, yeah, that's <laughs> went yes. full circle up to oblivion. Okay, okay, that's the first. Go one. on. They actually get progressively worse for the first part. The okay. second one you're going to actually like. The second one is uh, USB Ghost Raider. Ghosts. Casper. Ghosts. Oh, okay. Uh, Talk, talk me through it. Okay, this was a product that was made by a company from, I think it was Japan, called Solid Alliance. This was a solution to all of your less than funny or maybe completely ridiculous fears of the supernatural, although there are a lot of people who believe in ghosts. We are in no way mocking them, although we are a little bit. And this was a device, the USB device, that you could connect to your computer, and it was a ghost-detecting computer peripheral. So this one is supposed to detect ghosts, spirits, and loads of different supernatural things uses some very complex algorithms, analyzes data like biometric feedback, feedback of your skin and whatever. And it allows you uh, basically to have your valuable time to perform, let's say, uh, less than funny things like exorcisms uh, or underneath your desk in fear uh, uh, of, you know, such very, very useful gadgets, if you ask me. Okay. Somebody okay, went so down, the, the down the deep end when they were figuring this one out. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think this is one of those things where uh, you and I would probably think that this is the thing that uh, is from the deep end of the uh, people's imagination. Okay. But um, there is a thin line between those and... Uh, people who are actually trying to uh, make money on gullible people. Yeah. I see that this thing first. Uh, I just did a quick search. This thing is also a USB memory stick. Yeah. So that's one okay, useful so, so thing. It, so it has it has a sort of kind of purpose. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, the thing is that um, if you spend any amount of time on, on any uh, online site that is trying to peddle you uh, marginally uh, intelligent things uh, for a couple of dollars, you probably you have probably seen the uh, rare metal slash gold slash diamond detector with huge antennas and so on. Mm -hmm. I think this is just, this comes from that part of the internet. This is just um, one of those things where somebody creates something that is 
let, let's say, um, I won't say nice. Uh, 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 it's strange looking. It is supposed to be mysteriously looking, whatever. It's basically a LED uh, matrix with uh, probably some kind of electronics that blinks uh, on and off. Mm -hmm. So basically the machine that doesn't go ping but goes blink. Mm -hmm. And they then sell it for uh, probably stupid amount of dollars. I think, think this is the, the price for the uh, core device was something like $60. I think that we should paraphrase a very well-known movie from the 80s. Who you're going to call? Ghost Raider. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or uh, if you, if you make it, if you make it, they will come. Yeah, sure. And this is one of those problems with with the things on the internet. Uh, I think that first thing that should happen if we are going to turn into the the uh, real society that may, takes care of the environment is to get rid of people who are doing the, these things. Oh, I agree with you. You are completely on the money because they should they, they should be completely uh, banned from uh, selling any product at all. Making, envisioning, and selling. Yes. <laughs> so let's let's move on. This this, this was the the first one was I, I I'm going to say that first one was much 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 more interesting. This one is straight down, the uh, basically fraud and uh, doesn't make any sense. Down the rabbit hole. The I'd first say. one the, the first one had a. Had a, um, uh, uh, this one uh, first. This one is not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. It is not going to do anything. Yeah. The first one has, um, it has potential to do so. To to do the self-inflicting uh, <laughs> wounds on you. This one doesn't. So first, the first one is better. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are measuring scale. It weirds the crap out of me. But okay, next one you're actually okay. going to like. Uh, might lead to an interesting discussion. Oh, Newton. Yeah, this is uh, Apple Newton message I was pad. tempted. I was tempted to put it on the list. Yeah, I wasn't. I was definitely going to put it on the list. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, it belongs on this list, but for a wrong reason. Yes, I agree. Actually, I would expand on that. A list of wrong reasons. Uh, I think this is one of those things where Apple was completely right uh with the product that was completely well designed mm -hmm. but it was just off by a couple of years yeah the wrong time and, wrong uh, place wrong technology uh i wouldn't say wrong technology i would just say uh not enough technology yeah, not mature enough because this was this was basically what uh, uh was done uh, later with the palm mm -hmm. Palm Pilot and everything else that came uh, after this was more or less a copy of this. Yeah, and it was. It was. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was a copy of this, not necessarily a good one in many aspects. But it was a working copy. Yeah, and it was able to make money because the uh, technology was uh, near its limits, but it was able to do what you wanted it to do. So, if you remember uh, way back then, we actually had devices that you could write on. Mm -hmm. You had to use the, the, that special kind of alphabet, but uh, uh, this was something that was actually useful, and it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So this was something that actually made sense, but when the Newton come, uh, came out, it didn't make sense any, any sense at all. So here's the break. Because it was too big, mm. too big, too expensive. Yeah, the, the, here's the breakdown. So this is 1993-94, let's say, time frame. Uh, so... Uh, the guy who used to uh, be in in charge of Apple while Steel Job was out, Scully demoed it in 1992, 
1993 it was shown on Macworld Expo. It was basically branded as the hottest new thing on the Macworld Expo show. The price was $900 in 1993, which is obscene amount of money, even today, let alone, you know, 30 years ago when this was launched. And 50,000 of those, roughly, in accordance to information that I was able to find, were sold in a couple of, uh, let's say, first three to four months of the device on the market. It had a gazillion problems, definite problems with handwriting recognition. It was quite bulky, quite big, quite heavy. It was obviously very expensive. It didn't really have all that good software. And basically, uh, the, the general sum total of this, uh, if you look at this as a device that kind of was a premonition of things, to, of things to come, like Palm and others, it was a premature release of a device that's going to happen a couple of years down the road. Yes, I think that the biggest problem is, um, uh, what do you say the, the, the least price was when it came out? 900 or something. $900. Uh, $900. Nine hundred dollars. Um, let me just check one one thing. Uh, times two. Uh, so it's one thousand nine hundred and twenty dollars today. Times two, roughly, yes. So it more than time, more, more than yeah, two. So but... it's uh, basically a little bit uh, under two thousand dollars for something that was. Uh, well, well, well under what you wanted to use uh, way back then. Mm -hmm. And I think this this is the thing that uh, Apple is doing uh, basically, I would say, uh, as a a thing that reoccurs. I think this one was uh, one of those things. Uh, If you remember the Apple um, uh, Mac that was designed as a cube or as a toaster. Yes. That was completely non-functional. Then they did the same thing with the one that was designed as a vase or as an urn, depending on what uh, what you're looking for. Uh, And this is one of those things where where I will say that uh, the market needs somebody who is going to invest into a disruptive technology. But at the same time, when somebody actually does that, we are going to laugh our, our as as off because we are going to see that this is completely off the off the grid right now. There's actually one more thing to say. Uh, maybe you can comment on this. I, I'm really interested in your opinion. This is one of the last devices where Apple really tried to be first on the market. Do you understand what I want to say? Because after that, iPhone was after Android, although they represented it as something super new. The iPad, same thing. iPod, same thing. You know, they reinvented the existing devices and did it in a much better way after Newton. I would, I would say that you are more or less correct, but I wouldn't say that this is because Apple was trying to copy other people, but it was because uh, the uh, development has become uh, so expensive that. If you if both you and I, for example, try to develop uh, separate the same thing, we are going to come up with the same thing that is going to look completely different, with the more or less same technology because the technology is right now not so uh, not so different across the different uh, vendors. And the other thing is that going to be that we are going to be wasting enormous amount of money. Mm-hmm. So uh, trying to invest something that is completely off the market, I would say that iPhone was 
designed uh, as a good product. iPad was a good product. Um, iPod was an amazing product. All of them were amazing. Because what they did is, what they did is they uh, understood that people want a particular product and they designed it the way it should be done. Uh-huh. But this one wasn't a copy of anything, but at the same t- time, they didn't have any feedback on how these things should look like. Uh-huh. So this is one of those things. Because um, I just read that the uh, they said that the produc- uh, production and prepare, uh, and development of the Newton was something like uh, $100 million dollars, uh, in, uh, in $93 dollars. So this is something like $200 million dollars in today's money. This is not an enormous amount of money to develop something completely new. It's not. Microsoft has burned through a couple of orders of magnitude more trying to develop their own products. Yeah. So, and they also didn't innovate too much. So, yes, this is one of those innovations that didn't make it to the market. But I think that, uh, to be completely honest, I think that this was a thing that the market needed. Yeah, I agree. I had altogether one PDA in my life, which was Asus's version of the Palm with Windows Mobile. And I liked the device a lot. Uh, really worked well, good battery. It had uh, Garmin GPS on it as well, which was one of the key reasons why I bought it. And uh, it was, let's say, something that was quite a bit of time after this product. Obviously, I'm talking about... 2003-2004 time frame, so we're talking about 10 years difference. But that was actually a useful, uh, like a Palm-type device. Yes, I had I had the Palm. Then I had the... Uh, the it was... The, what was it called? The Spring? Yeah, yeah. There was uh, one device called Spring in that era. Um, uh, let, let me just check. I'm... Uh, Um, uh, it was called a springboard, if, if I'm correct. Yeah, there was a product, something like that. Or handspring or something like that, maybe. Yeah, handspring. Yeah. Yes, yes, handspring. So, uh, basically, I had the Palm. And then, after this, the guys who did the Palm Pilot uh, created their own separate company that was founded in 1998. I'm just reading from the internet. And then, they decided they're going to be able to uh, create a device that is going to be uh, upgradable. Mm-hmm. So uh, they uh, created a device that had its own dock and you could uh, plug things into it and it had different uh, things that you could buy. Uh, you could buy. Uh-huh. Uh, and one of those things was um, uh, GSM module. Uh-huh. And then after that, I bought a Treo. Uh-huh. And this is the, uh, where um, a colleague of mine was joking about with me that I'm using my plate to talk uh-huh. because Treo was huge. Basically, the Treo was uh, as big as a hand and then you open it up. Yeah, I know. So it, co- it, it covered a quarter of your face, an actual quarter of your face uh, while you were trying to talk to anybody. And uh, I think that those devices were probably the most useful devices that they had for what they were claiming to be. Uh-huh. Uh, you were able to uh, take notes on them. Uh-huh. They were working. And they weren't trying to oversell the technology. Cool. Sounds reasonable. And this is one of those things we were talking about overselling technology when we were talking about uh, object storage uh, today or yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Uh, yesterday. And, uh, no, no, and this is it one wasn't of the overselling. That... It was over-promising, under-delivering. 
Yes, but it's it's basically overselling because they're selling you something that you cannot use. And uh, because either it's not working or it is not uh, working as you uh, were told that it's going to work. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens when it happened with the, the, this kind of devices. Okay. Ready for the next one? Okay. <clears throat> yes. This one is one of my personal favorites. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The video phone. This uh, is Amsterdam e emailer. Emailer. Yes, okay. So this was like a desktop telephone with LCD screen. It had uh, internet dial-up. It had email and messaging capabilities. And there were a couple of models after that uh, released in 2002, like uh, Emailer Plus and E3 and whatnot. Uh, some of the later models actually included something that you will really like, which was... Uh, that uh, they had the capability to also use the LCD screen to play ZX Spectrum games. Okay. Okay, but probably probably after the Amstrad uh, got the uh, license to do it. Yeah. So th okay. this had uh, reliance on various types of external services like AmServe service for functionality, etc. All of them have been discontinued and the, the background service that it was reliant on was also shut down in... 2011 or something but here's the kicker i was able to find one on amazon and somebody is actually selling it a company not a private person uh, on amazon.co.uk I, I it it was something that made me laugh so hard because as a device this is as pointless as they can be um, UI issues, very know. bad functionality. I, they, uh, when it was launched, smartphones were already on the way. You know, it was very limited product with the term, in terms of adoption, whatnot. And the fact that they added games and whatnot just made it worse, if you ask me. Uh, okay, I cannot see uh, a reality uh, in which I am near my phone because uh, we must remind everybody that this was a wired phone. So this had a wire, and also this had a, a, a probably substantial power source connected to it. So you probably would uh, need to play your game somewhere where your phone was stationed. And uh, back way then, when, when the phones were used like this, this wasn't your living room, or this wasn't your uh, uh, the room where you slept. This is probably somewhere in the in the uh, in the hall or somewhere in the one of the hallways. So when you answer the phone, you answer the phone. So I don't see this as a business business product. Okay. I know where this idea was stolen from. This was stolen from French Minitel, mm -hmm. and this was this was a, a completely useless copy of what the French Minitel did because French Minitel actually made sense. Okay. And the other thing is that um, I uh, would say that this is useless, but then again, I know that uh, something like 20 years ago, uh, SMS for... Uh, ah, okay. <laughs> so it's, 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 not, it's not that expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I know that SMS for fixed phones was, was introduced. Oh, yes. I, and uh, we, we... then when you realize that somebody actually did it in 2008 and 2007... Mm -hmm. uh, this thing doesn't look so stupid then. Yeah, I used to work with a certain company that used to pro provide products with fixed SMS. They, they were, uh, those products were quite popular at the time. 
I'm just going to say that uh, I know the numbers. One of the leading operators here in Croatia, uh, when they had they have the um, the peak of the number of customers that are using a uh, fixed SMS, they had 1,200 people uh, using it. Yeah. The promotion the promotion for it was half a million euros. <laughs> So basically, it would be much, 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 much less expensive for them if they just actually go got and uh, uh, gifted everybody a mobile phone to be able to use the SMS. Yeah. But then it, it's just me. So this is this is one of those things where Amsterdam was trying to uh, copy the thing that didn't make any sense, mm-hmm. and this is what uh, drove them into the ground. Yeah, unfortunately. Because what they did is they they were trying to do the same thing that they did with the uh, when they, the personal computer started. Mm-hmm. They were trying to make a cheap device with something that they thought that people are, are going to need. Mm-hmm. And uh, computers was, were actually something that people uh, wanted, but this is something that nobody needed. Yeah. Still, uh, I found a source which claims that this device was used in 2011 by 150,000 customers, which is not, uh, you know, a number to sneeze at. But still, I mean, it was pretty pointless. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm completely for this because uh, I think that uh, the market actually needs experimenting, as I said. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, do you remember when uh, Larry Ellison uh, introduced uh, NetPC? Oh yes, I do. The thin client with uh, with the no memory and uh, no screen and no network connectivity and basically <laughs> just was just a source a of misery expensive. for many years after that. Yes. No, thank you for reminding me of that. So this is one of one of those uh, moonshot moonshots uh, like this. Okay, now the next one. Oh, you're gonna like this one. Uh, Oh God! Okay, so this what looks like a here? Nokia uh, commu- ba- communicator, but it's not a Nokia communicator. It's called Pocket. So Pocket basically, Surfer basically, two. worst, uh, worst Nokia communicator clone that we have ever seen. Yes, exactly that. And it's not only that. Okay. This device, so the d- d- data went Pocket Surfer two. This is two thousand seven. Okay, two thousand seven okay. is basically at the tail end of super big Nokia popularity. And this is also uh, the time where Sidekick was gaining kind of yeah, uh, popularity. Yeah, yeah. And, and Sidekick was actually uh, a thing that you could use, made sense, was little, uh, was working, and what was a device that was desirable yeah, uh, amongst There's some actually people. something worse. We are talking about 2007. In 2007, Blackberries were still a thing. Between this and BlackBerry, it was no. There, there was no competition. Uh, I, I can, I can, sort of, kind of understand what was the idea of this, uh, because I understand where this comes from. This was supposed to be a device that was meant to cater to both the young users and to business users and to people who <laughs> need mobile and kind of like a desktop device yes but on the other hand i see that the design of the the keyboard is strange to say at least yes uh the information density on the screen it's insane mm-hmm. Because there is no reason to have uh, uh, this is a low. Uh, this has to be a low uh, resolution screen. 
so there is no reason to have as many uh, tabs both on the top and on the left and then uh, random tabs in the middle of the screen i guess that this wasn't uh, a touch screen because i can nope. see that it has a it has a, a touchpad on the on the right yeah and this touchpad makes uh, the uh, keyboard almost unusable so and i i don't know this is one of those things but uh, what is lacking to make this a complete failure to remember is that it doesn't have as much as many users um, as some of the things that uh, we mentioned before yeah no that's coming so this wasn't so popular yeah it, it, those those things are coming as well the next one is yes i hope so so i, I just checked a uh, sidekick so uh or the danger hip top that was rebranded as Sidekick uh, later, came out in 2002. Mm -hmm. So this was this was a, a more or less a copy of the something that was on the market, and much better done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. The next one. Yes. Will probably want to make. Probably you're gonna want to like roll your eyes a little bit because you will recognize this one. Oh God. Um, yes, this is, this is, uh, I know only one thing that is, that, that is worse than this. So this is the uh, Sony Vio mouse talk. Yes, I know. I know what this is. This is when Sony was experimenting when trying to, uh, crisscross different uh, objects that they found around the lab and trying to do, uh, different things, uh, do the, do, do, do the things that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> So uh, I think that there is only one thing worse than this. But let let me ask you for, for a few questions. First, I guess that this is supposed to be a headphone slash microphone combination for your uh, for your desktop. Correct, and, and, and serve as a mouse at the same correct. time. Correct. Okay, so it kind of. In some strange uh, alternate universe, universe makes makes sense. If you are in the nineties, I guess, and if your uh, car, your um, uh, music card or your audio card is lacking any kind of uh, ability, and at the same time you don't have the speakers. And you want to talk to people on the the half of the existing service that existed back way then, then you could use this thing. Mm -hmm. So, and you were all. I would guess that this this was a flop. This was a massive flop. Yeah, one day it was, for example, in the uh, on the shelves of uh, certain stores, and a couple of days later, all of them were gone because they were completely useless and not selling at all. Uh, the worst part of it is that neither of the functionalities, nor nor the, let's say, calling functionality, so let's say uh, speaker meets microphone functionality, nor the mouse functionality were working all that well, and you can only do one at a time as well. So this is a, a the combination of devices nobody asked for uh, before or since. And done badly. And done badly, yeah. Well, they were trying. Uh... What can you do? Uh, do you remember? Do you remember when um, uh, Siemens Mobile did those? Uh, it wasn't called Colibri. It was called called. It, it had some some kind of um, uh, word play on word Colibri. It was ex Libri or whatever. The um, 
they created in the mid 2000s they created a series of uh, jewelry slash mobile phones mm-hmm. and they created something like six or seven models and they promised that they're going to create a new model for each spring and autumn collection. I think you mentioned this in so, one of the episodes last year. So they had they had something that the, was was supposedly uh, meant to be a mobile phone that at the same time was a piece of accessory that you wore around your neck or as a bracelet or as a necklace or as a, uh, as a head, uh, hand bracelet. And it was supposed to be a work of art. This reminds me of this. <laughs> But I think that Siemens one made a little bit less sense than this one. Okay. Actually, okay. Uh, I, I found uh, when I was uh, trying to remember all of these devices, uh, I found an article about this one, about the uh, mouse talk. And the author of the articles said something along the lines of... Um, as a smartphone with a shaver would be pretty much a pointless product, so was mouse talk. Which kind of makes sense. Um, I, I mean, it's a completely outrageous me- metaphor, which makes sense when you compare this product to reality. Completely doesn't make sense. Uh, I would say that uh, the problem is not that this one doesn't make sense. At least it was designed to look nice. Mm-hmm. I like the design. Okay. And what I will say is that that uh, what doesn't make even le- that what makes even less sense is that uh, a couple of years ago I got a mouse that was at the same time a document scanner yeah, yeah. as a gift. So uh, this thing with uh, trying to put something into the mouse in order to make it more something, more of an accessory. Um, was still a thing on the market, so I'm 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 going I'm the jury is still out there on this one. I I like it as a design. I know that this is completely useless, and what I really want to know are two things. First, was this a USB device or PS2 slash? Uh, if I remember correctly, this was PS2. Thing? If I remember correctly, so pro- so probably PS2 then pl- plus two different uh, cables for the uh, uh, audio and uh, microphone. And the other thing, was this an actually uh, actual mouse with a ball? Uh, I think not. I would have to okay. research. I never had it in my hands. I just saw it on 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 pictures. I'm afraid. Yes, this this is the thing because if this uh, had has a ball in it, mm-hmm. then this is hilarious. Yeah, I I will disagree with you on one thing though. So this device here, this something along the lines yes. of what you were discussing thirty okay. seconds ago. Uh, my dad had something uh, very similar. LG's mouse as well. He used it as a mouse and as a scanner for years. It was very useful to him. But generally speaking, I understand where you're coming from and you're correct. A mouse with the scanner kind of makes sense. Too bad that the Valentine's Day uh, has passed because you would get one uh, for Valentine's Day. No, I don't. But then... Thank you very much. You're so kind. <laughs> But, okay, of course, because that's, slide, that's the way in which, uh, in which uh, you know, life energy works. You get Atari portfolio, I get a useless device. 
uh, to be completely honest, the portfolio is not so useful anymore. Uh, it's it it's not about be. that. You know it very well. Yes, <laughs> then, 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 then different things. Yeah. Okay, now let's continue. Okay. Next one is there for us to rent a little bit because we're talking about technology, not a specific product. And okay. uh, a very popular YouTube channel a couple of months ago or so, uh, maybe a little bit more than a couple of months ago, had a very big discussion about this, which I wholeheartedly agree with. So okay. this is what we are discussing. Oh, uh, this the, the one standard that unites everything that exists on the planet. Yeah, and all of these, you know, pieces of art, let's call them that way, b before starting to curse my, my way out of the episode. Uh, so, so th the uh, way in which this infuriates me rivals my infuriation with the last product that I'm going to show on the slides. And when you see which product that is, you're going to understand the metaphor. First and foremost, um, if I can just rant about one thing for a second, it's not going to be a long one. Okay, let, 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 me, just be, let me just be completely clear. This uh, slide is not correct. Why? Because it is saying, it is saying that um, uh, the incomprehensible renaming schemes of existing USB standards and so on and so on and so on. Uh, first, uh, the names are not completely correct because some of them have spaces where the spaces shouldn't be shouldn't be so so even this even 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 the thing even the thing that uh this slide fixes in reality is a bad thing yeah i mean usb th usb 3 isn't uh written this uh, in this way yeah i know usb 4 is written in different ways so okay but can okay. i go back now, to one thing Okay. So my, my primary gripe with USB today, I'm not going to go over the, all of the past versions because this episode would take a couple of days for me to finish. Wait, wait, the rant. So, so your gripe is with which one? No, 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 no. It's not going to be about the standard itself. It's going to be about connector. Okay. Okay. Then which, which, which one? USB-C. Which, which USB-C, of course. Which USB-C? Yeah, okay. the latest one that we're using. Basically, all of this that you can see on the screen infuriates me to no end, but not nearly as much as the USB-C connector does. Here's the reason why. So we went from a square connector, USB-3 Type-A, this one, basically. We went to a very small, rounded connector that has okay. a couple of very nasty tendencies. First and foremost, it has a tendency to break the, the connector okay. itself. Second. Okay, but to be to be completely honest, USB uh, Mini A and Mini B were much worse uh, when it comes completely to completely correct, especially micro. micro, micro yeah, B. micro were the worst, definitely. You're correct. I'm with you, but that's the reason why I'm uh, why I'm so pissed off at this because instead of learning from the past mistakes, because the micros were way earlier in the USB development, yes, we went back to the idea of micro connectors with USB C. Uh, which breaks all, either altogether or it's certain pins break. I have a very expensive MacBook Pro one meter away from me here, which uh, is able to use the, the charging via Thunderbolt 4 port, but not data, which is my personal okay. favorite. Uh, furthermore, uh, USB uh, Type-C connectors uh, as female connectors on the laptops 
and the cables that go in them uh, have a tendency to disconnect very easily. This was not the case okay. with USB-A in no shape or form. It was much more difficult because they were physically bigger. But my biggest gripe with USB right now, actually, this is very current discussion now, uh, apart from my rants about the USB-C, let's forget about that for a second, uh, is actually about something else, which is the very sneaky way in which uh, manufacturers are selling USB-C cables. Hence the reason why I had to spend a couple of hundred euros in December to buy quality USB-C cables so that they actually work as designed. Because if you go, for example, to Amazon, and go to the list of all of the available USB-C cables and let's say sort them in order of price or popularity or whatever and maybe even select just per brand and you use, I don't know, anchors and, uh, you know, the expensive ones, OWC, whatnot. Soon enough, you're going to realize that most of the cables nowadays are done as USB 2, maybe USB 3, and uh, the, the aspect uh, of the cable that they're focusing on is charging not data transfer. I'm, I know that you noticed this yourself as well, uh, which is very misleading to the customer because these cables can be quite expensive. Uh, what we need is not to change the names of the standards constantly because this is not the first name change that USB-IF did in the past 15 years. What we need is also cable standardization so that people know that when they buy you know, USB-C cable, that it's at least, I don't know, a USB 3.2 Gen 2 or something like that with in terms of the uh, data uh, that it can transfer. Not so that you buy a, ex a very expensive cable which charges your phone with 60 watts while being USB 2, which you can actually buy. This is completely insane. Nobody uses USB 2 anymore. You know? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to rant a little bit about uh, different things about USB. Okay. Uh, first, uh, with almost every other standard that I know of, mm -hmm. uh, when another standard come, comes out, uh, you usually know what is going to happen with the speed. So, uh, usually when another standard comes out, you know that the next uh, generation is going to be. I don't know, twice as fast or 10 times as fast and so on. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you have, uh, I don't know, networking standards. They uh, started uh, coming out as uh, uh, 10, 10 megabit, then uh, 100 megabit, then 1 gigabit, uh, then 10 gigabits. Okay, then uh, Intel and the guys started to screw up the standard and decided they're going 2. to do 2.5 and, and 5 and so on and so on. But you know what you expected. USB first decided they're going to have USB 1, 2, 3, 3.1, 3.1, Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3, 3.2, and so on and so on. So USB 3.2, Gen, uh, Gen 2, X2, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. uh, they jumped, USB 1 to USB 2 jumped by a factor of what it is, 40, mm -hmm. for some reason. Then the next jump was... Uh, by 10 by and a half? Of by 10 and a half, and then by two. By two. Uh, USB 3.0 is also named 3.1 Gen 1. And nowadays and it's 3.2 two, two. The Gen 1, yeah. Yes, and then, okay, let's put this thing aside. Then the connectors. Almost all the connectors are able to, uh, to support one type of the uh, USB device, but there is no discernible way to know which connector is supporting what. 
And to add insult to injury, USB 3C, specifically C, is not a connector that is uh, completely uh, symmetrical. Mm -hmm. Okay. You actually have different uh, pins, and you can actually create a connector that runs as one thing uh, when plugged in one way, then you flip it over and it can run as another thing. Didn't notice that. That's news to me. Okay, even worse. Yes, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you an interesting thing because uh, a guy tried to create, um, and he managed to create a disk. And it was basically, uh, it had one set of data when you uh, plug it in in one uh, direction, and then another set of data when you plug it in another direction. And you can do that. Because you, because you can do detection on which side the actual USB-C is plugged in. And this is part of the standard. Nobody is using it except some of the people are. <laughs> and this is, this is what uh, is completely, uh, completely uh, uh, misunderstandable, uh, misunderstandable to me. The other thing, super speed. Mm -hmm. First, high speed, then super speed, then super speed plus. Mm -hmm. Then super speed plus for the same thing that is uh, twice as fast, uh, t t twice as fast, and then whatever it is, uh, the logo for USB four. First, they lost the space inside the naming. Then they decided the first version is going to be V one point zero, not one point zero. So USB four V one point zero. Why not four point zero? Why there is a slogan? Mm -hmm. uh, and why the uh, logo does not mention USB at all. And for the law of everything that is uh, precious, uh, why are they using the USB-C connector at the same time? Mm -hmm. I, 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 okay, you, you, you succeeded, you succeeded. This is one of those things that are at the same time amazing uh, feats of engineering and complete failures in thinking of, of everybody in Correct. the world. How? Because USB-C solved the problem. Yeah. How would you? How much money would you like to bet on the fact that a couple of years down the road, uh, the USB 1.0 that we have since 90s is going to become USB 4.0.5 version or something? I don't know, but I know that uh, this slide is missing uh, the entire PD uh, stupidity. Don't uh, get me started, please. So, uh, so this 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 should be at least uh, twice as big. This this yes. uh, this table here. I don't know. Uh, I expect that BSU is going to be the next version of the USB because it yes. just doesn't make any sense. So let's let's flip it. Yeah, cat tech. That's yeah, cool. so 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 it, this this is just one of those things where uh, they are create. I know that, I know only of the one offender that is worse than this. Okay. And this is the Wi-Fi Alliance. Okay, I don't think they're worse, but go ahead. Uh, because they uh, actually actually have no idea what is going to come up next, and sometimes the next generation of the uh, standard comes uh, comes in I don't know seven years. It takes seven years to develop. And then suddenly uh, it takes six months to develop the next standard. Mm -hmm. So you know that uh, they switched over from six to uh, Wi-Fi seven already. Yeah. There is a standard out there. Yeah. You know that uh, actually when you try to buy equipment, there is equipment that is uh, less expensive when you buy the Wi-Fi seven than the Wi-Fi six. Yeah, I also saw a couple of YouTube videos about this recently. 
I I currently I'm currently uh, thinking about buying a Wi-Fi Seven uh, access point, and the only the only thing that is uh, keeping me from uh, from doing this is one amazing trick of technology that they managed to uh, put into it. parallel throughputs. You mean? Parallel transfers? No, Wi-Fi 7 requires, uh, apparently in this uh, iteration, requires uh, active cooling. Oh, yeah. So, so Wi-Fi, your access point is suddenly uh, becoming a noise source. That's excellent. Yeah, that's what we need. Okay. Yes, so, so but yes, you're completely correct. Uh, USB is completely incomprehensible in, in, in all the different things that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, what, let me just point out a few more things. Color coding. Mm-hmm. We used to have USB 3.0 uh, blue connectors, for example. So they they were blue. Mm-hmm. You also had USB uh, USB A connectors that were yellow. Yes. Especially on the motherboards and were? reds. You know what these were? No. These were the connectors that were powered or providing power while the computer was off, but connected to the power. Okay, very well-known feature so of you PC could, you, you could actually you could actually use it as the power connector to uh, charge uh, something, but at the same time, it wasn't working unless the computer was uh, powered on. So it was doubling down as uh, it's doubling as uh, both the power connector and the data connector, depending on the state of the computer itself. Excellent. Sounds like a marvelous so, idea. Uh, <laughs> I think that the only thing that was worse than this was when they tried to put eSATA as a connector on the motherboard. That's where we outside. disagree. Uh, no, it it was a good idea to put a connector that has uh, that had the sp- speed and the abilities of eSATA, mm-hmm. but at the same time trying to create a connector that is going to be uh, compatible with uh, both the uh, internal and outer, uh, external disks. And with that uh, kind of surface and uh, that kind of um, connectors that it had mm-hmm. was a completely, yeah, uh, com- completely, completely missed mess. point. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Ready for the next one? Yes. This is, I think, a little bit more of my peeve than yours, but you're going to recognize this one definitely. Oh, the Mac keyboard. Yeah. The best, the best butterfly design that uh, never was. Jesus Christ. So uh, I wanted, to, uh, I, I would probably be able to do an hour episode about this, but I'm going to just cut myself uh, short on this. Uh, they uh, use these, you know, butterfly mechanisms for a couple of generations of MacBook Pros. Uh, and after that, they went back to the traditional scissor mechanism. Uh, and the only thing that I can say, on top of the things that I, on top of the fact that I have a couple of laptops with these keyboards, uh, which they're utterly useless. There's actually a wider problem that I think both you and I are very much aware of with these keyboards. Both you and I are very, let's say, uh, life-trained fa- fast typers. We can type really fast. We have been able to do that for 30-plus years. When you touch this keyboard and start typing, you realize that you're back to, I don't know, kindergarten school, you know, something like that. It's impossible to type quickly on that keyboard. There's another reason why, wait for it, because uh, both you and I are also, you are like medium level, but I am very high level uh, uh, kicker of the keyboard. I need response from the keyboard. I prefer keyboards that are very hard. You know, you gifted me a very, very, 
you know, uh, heavy uh, keyboard from the good old days when they used to do them properly. Because pianist, whatnot, I really hit my keys hard. You don't yes, do it as Barclay, much. Barclay, uh, but these, Springs, with uh, these, it's impossible to type uh, like I would normally do. And, uh, and the end result of that, even forgetting about the fact that they were very unreliable, breaking all the time, repair was a nightmare, Apple denied it, then they confirmed it, blah, blah. Let's forget about all of the hoopla. I am unable to type on this keyboard at one third of my speed. Uh, I have a, as I said, I have opinions. First, uh, when, when first uh, Apple said that they are going to have a new design that's going to be called butterfly mechanism, mm -hmm. uh, what first came to mind was the butterfly mechanism that uh, IBM launched uh, a couple of decades ago, uh, where if you know what I'm talking about. Yes where the actual keyboard came out and then uh, uh, was able to uh, open and create a bigger footprint than it was where it, when it was inside the uh, laptop. Yeah. So this I was, was hoping the, that the ThinkPad 701 or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Is, I, have, I have one of those uh, upstairs. Of course. And I'm going to... Uh, uh, I, uh, this is one of, the, one of the things that actually made sense back in the day. Because the, what IBM did is they decided that they wanted to have a sort of kind of a full travel keyboard. Mm -hmm. So the keyboard that has the full travel uh, uh, while you're typing. And the keyboard needs to be bigger because people want to have keys that are normal size. But the laptop needs to get smaller. Mm -hmm. So they were solving the technological problem of trying to fit the full size keyboard into a small laptop. Yep. And they did it in a way... That actually made sense because the keyboard that they have actually still works. Mm -hmm. What Apple did is they were trying to create a keyboard that wasn't smaller, but was thinner. Yeah. And I think that it would be better for everybody involved if they just went with the ZX, ZX Spectrum style keyboard. <laughs> Correct. And then just put a, put a foil on it. Yeah. And, it, and uh, completely forgo uh, with everything that they tried. Because this... First, uh, you can see from here, you can see that there is a breaking point on the keyboard that is going to break. Uh, and everybody knows that this is going to be a metal, uh, material fatigue and this is going to just break. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that it didn't make any sense because it was too thin when it came to uh, trying to type. Mm -hmm. It didn't give you any... any, any um, Tactile any, feedback. Uh, yeah. any, any normal feedback mm -hmm. other than... Uh, I, I know that people were trying to, uh, when they, they were comparing it to something, they said that it was like uh, typing in the mud. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they didn't succeed in doing uh, so much with the um, uh, thickness of the keyboard itself. It just didn't solve any of the problems. And I think this was just one of those things when, where uh, Apple was trying to create another thing that is different. No, no, it no was about reason. design. They wanted to make everything thinner. That's all that it was. But and I their keyboards that, uh... still suck. All of them since the, those days, I cannot use them. They're amazing machines for some of the things that you and I do, but that's it. I, I put up with them. Although mostly I put up with them by having something like this. Okay. 
So you have you have an actual keyboard. Yes, because I'm unable to type on the laptop keyboards of Apple for the past 10 plus years since the first Unibody Mac. MacBook Pro, uh, sorry. I think that the last the last keyboard that was uh, that is uh, that has been in the last few generations of the of the Macs is not that bad. Uh but I will say that uh, from the get-go, I hate keyboards that are uh, trying to uh, limit the travels, uh, travel of the keys. Yeah, exactly so what I mentioned. I always, I always require at least a couple of millimeters of travel. And by a couple of millimeters, I mean uh, at least four or five. So not 1.7 or 1.1 or 0.7. And this is the numbers that they're aiming for. Yeah. Okay. And this is just this is just a uh, this is just a thing. But I think that we are not the only people who think about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know that people, as you said, um, they are able to live with the new keyboards, but they are not happy with those. Yep. Because Apple Apple used to have a keyboard that was uh, pretty useful. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, they decided they're going to uh, create this uh, overpriced piece of crap that was the butterfly. Yeah. Okay, ready to go back to the nineties? Yes. Please stop doing that. You are bec- you, okay. You are making uh, the, the recording nervous. <laughs> okay. <sighs> oh yes, the soft ram, the. Uh... What was the called? Uh, what was the name of the other thing? Um, Dub, uh, double space. There was also RAM, RAM disk software something. Yeah, that drive uh, space. Was du- there was a double space. Double stacker. space was one. And stacker. Stacker. Yeah, yes, yeah I stacker, remember yes. those. Those actually worked. And you still could lose data, but they still worked. But this uh, this one. What is what? Yes. This one was my favorite from the nineties, basically. If if there was a single piece of software, I used this because you know marketing hype, whatnot, and, and a lot of people, of yeah, and price of memory as the first and foremost reason, of course. I mean, back in 1995, uh, RAM cost something like thirty to fifty dollars per megabyte. It was insanely expensive, and Windows 95 coming off of those, you know, good old six hundred forty kilobytes is good for everybody. Days <clears throat> after that. Uh, you know, having the capability to kind of like double your memory, which was the marketing slogan for this piece of abomination, uh, was something that a lot of people fell for. And actually, um, there was a huge, I think it was even a class action lawsuit against the company that did this. Uh, So Synchronis or something like that, they were called. Because FTC got involved in the U.S., they called their marketing false, misleading, and uh, the uh, c- uh, company behind it, so the uh, Synchronis, was eventually forced to pull the product from the market and issue refunds. And after that, this was '95. They started released a handful of other Windows utilities and folded in 1999. And I can pretty surely say that nobody is going to miss them at any given point in the future. That being said, I saw a very funny video a couple of weeks ago, which reminded me of this. Basically, one of the one of the YouTubers, uh, and uh, we are talking about the YouTube channel, which has something like half a million subscribers, so it's not small by any means. A guy tried to install software on Windows 10. 
this hilarious video. You should take a look at this. And I have another thing to tell, tell you about this product. We should do an episode about this. Just for pure fun. I think that what we should do, we should try to install the entirety of the madness that was installing a PC uh, in the 90s. In the, in the uh, late 80s, start of the 90s. Sounds good. When first 486 came out and when uh, CPUs became uh, quick enough to enable you to create the stupidity that was uh, stacker, that was uh, soft RAM and so on. And it made your PC run a little bit slower, but a lot more unreliable. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it required you to do uh, a lot of uh, jumping through hoops and trying to inst install different things. Because the problem with this thing was that the idea behind this, uh, as it usually is, is sane. Mm -hmm. It makes sense mm -hmm. if you are able to do a real-time uh, compression of the memory. Mm -hmm. But uh, the capability of the CPU that is going to be able to do this was nowhere near what they were promising. This is one thing. And the other thing that uh, the memory is supposed to be quick. So uh, there is a reason why Microsoft hasn't tried uh, tried this thing yet. Here, to be completely honest, what um, uh, Stacker did and what the uh, uh, double disk or uh, or different uh, uh, utilities did, this is completely uh, normal in the today's uh, file systems. You can turn on compression, and you can. No, you, you can do it on to... memory as well. Hypervisors have that. Yes, some of them. Yes. I mean, but, nowadays uh, when everything can... is so much more quick. Yes, but the the ability to compress the files in the file system exists for the last uh, I don't know couple of decades. Yeah, and this is this is completely okay. But this was uh, this was just uh, overselling something that was barely working. Yep. Luckily. And I, uh, I just checked, they, they actually sold 700,000 copies of yeah. the software. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I know. This, is the, the, this is pocket money. There, yes. There's only one thing that came out of this that was good, which was uh, this situation raised awareness about how badly software can be written, sold as an, again, over-promise, under-deliver, and it definitely increased, uh, uh, let's say, scrutiny on the IT industry in terms of how um, how regular people who are buying products can be scammed, in a sense. I think that it raised the awareness, but the problem is that the users didn't notice it. Yeah, well. Okay. Okay, so the next one. It's actually the next one and the last one. And okay. I'm pretty sure that you're expecting this one, maybe uh, not your first thought, maybe second or third, because you know me well enough. But my definite all-time hero of the worst piece of crap ever written for any type of uh, hardware is called. I mean, to me. Um. Okay, just give me a second. There, better living. There, better living. Yeah, there's a reason why a lot of people call this Windows Mistake Edition. You know, there are definitely more than a few uh, good reasons. First and foremost, the operating system that preceded this was Windows 98 Second Edition, which I think we both agree on was a pretty freaking good OS for the time, at the, at the time when it was released. Uh, 
shortly after that, Millennium Edition appeared, and it kind of got a bad reputation because a lot of people were considering this to be an upgrade to SE, which it wasn't. It was a different operating system completely, or mostly. And from those good old days of Windows Millennium and or me trying to using them, I'm going to just mention two situations, which pissed me off to no end. The first one was trying to make an Adaptex SCSI controller work on this was, shall we say, an experience. And the second thing, and I mentioned this in one of the episodes a couple of months ago, I tried to use Millennium Edition in probably, this was one of my first studio recordings that I did for an external client when I was doing multi-channel audio recording. And that was a very <clears throat> unpleasant experience of endless blue screens of death. So I start recording, blue screen of death. Start recording, blue screen of death. Um, I mean, when I was using Millennium for a brief period of time, basads were hourly appearance, sometimes even more often than that. There are a couple of things, if you want to be fair and somewhat balanced, there, are, there were a couple of features, I think, if I remember correctly, that Millennium introduced, which were later developed into real products, into real features of the Windows OS, for example, in XP. Uh, they did, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, System Restore was first, uh, something that first appeared in Windows Millennium Edition, although it was useless there, but afterwards it became a thing and still is. Uh, but everything else about this, like the worst abomination of software ever written, only rivaled by Prince Puller in Windows over the years. Uh, everything okay, else, this if, saying something, okay? Yeah, uh, everything else, if you ask me, was just as bad as it could be. And we are not talking about um, Windows Longhorn. Um, the thing is that uh, this one was more or less. Uh, a plug between uh, what they were trying to do and this was porting the uh, Windows 2000 kernel to uh, consumer version of the Windows to XP yeah and what they had at the same time and this thing that they had at the same time was uh, Windows 98 so what they tried to do is if I remember correctly they were trying to just wrap uh, the look and feel of Windows 2000 into something that would be uh, based on the older kernel because the new kernel wasn't finished. And at the same time, they, they had the problem with the Ring Zero uh, drivers because the drivers were actually t deeply inside the kernel. And if anything broke, uh, the, entire, the entirety of the property system broke. I know that the uh, this is way back then when we were expecting the computer is going to uh, crash at least three or four times a day. Mm -hmm. And this was normal. It's not normal, but it was normal. You just expected this is going to happen. Yeah, kind and, of. And this was one of the first things that was a big problem because this was one of the most prone to crashing because it didn't make any sense with, when it came to drivers. They, they stopped developing drivers, but at the same time, they tried to do uh, the same as with uh, Windows 8. They were trying to ship something that wasn't ready because they had, or they thought they had to ship something. Mm -hmm. So I think that they would be much better off if they just uh, renamed Windows 2000, Windows 2000 Consumer Edition, uh, call it CE, and uh, say, okay, this is new Windows CE that is going to be a Consumer Edition of Windows. 
Unfortunately, we got another type of Windows CE way back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was always uh, also a thing that didn't work. Yeah, I remember those those things as well. I mean, uh, the, the worst part of it for me is actually that this came between two versions of Windows that worked really well. Or actually, three versions of Windows that worked really well. Windows 98 Second Edition. Windows 2000 worked really well. I already said in one of the episodes, one of my favorite OSs. And XP. Yes, but the XP was, uh, but the, when you come to, when, when you're trying to uh, uh, follow the path of releases that were supposed to be consumer editions, uh, Windows 98 SC, Windows, Windows ME, then XP, uh, they just kept doing the same thing that they, they, they always did. The, every second edition was working. Yep. So Windows 98, but uh, to be completely honest, Windows 98 was not so bad. No, but second, second edition, edition was, was much better. better. Yeah, just like ninety-five, same thing. Ninety-five versus OSR two. OSR two, yes, OSR two was. Uh, it was, was a night better. and day difference for me, at least. But it was the it was the it was, the, uh, it was because uh, this was way back way back then when um, we weren't so used to upgrading. Mm-hmm. You didn't upgrade. Now it's completely normal for your computer to more or less uh, change overnight. And they just call it a feature update, mm-hmm. or they they don't call it at all. They just said uh, in a general improvement, mm-hmm. and then suddenly something is missing. Yeah, weirdly, or something is in it. Yeah, like WordPad is going to be missing. Uh, yes, and uh, I saw that you're going to like this one. Uh, they created. Um, I they they are not calling it official Microsoft release, but they are preparing this uh, as a possible release candidate for future versions of Microsoft. So there is a pre-release version of a large language model intended for the Windows terminal. <sighs> okay, I just survived through sudo on Windows. What's next? The large language model is based on the, and the thing is that uh, they're talking about that they are going to be able to train on the data that exists on your desk. Train for me or train for them? Both, but the, that's hmm. not the, pro, the that's not the point. Hmm. The point is the the other thing. Do you remember how slow and yeah, yeah. incredibly tedious the indexing? Yeah, system yeah I know where you're going was. with this. So now, now imagine this. But with added uh, value of training, more latency, more latency and more uh, CPU engaged all the time because it needs to retrain itself and create a huge and by by huge I mean actually huge meta file that's going to connect uh, uh, contain all the tokens for the, to to generate the information about your disk. Uh, Microsoft is now actively trying to. Uh, make their users feel stupid. I have a question. Why do yes. they hate their customers? Um, I don't think that they consider them customers anymore. What the hell are we then? Um, I think that we are better testers and consumers. We are not customers. <laughs> we are supposed to be browsing user edge and testing different technologies they're putting inside the operating system. But uh, the price of the windows is so minuscule to what they are making out of different other things that they think that we are just paying for the 
I would say power required to distribute the system itself. Okay, so your general idea is that th that means that in 2024 it's going to be the year of Linux desktop. That's it. No, unfortunately, I think that this is going to be uh, the uh, year of uh, well, Microsoft Copilot. No, the year of Windows on ARM. No, 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 Microsoft Copilot. Oh, Lord, help us. Because Microsoft Copilot is right now pushing it way, it's, it's, it way uh, into different products, being a completely different uh, product itself and having the same name. Excellent. And so nobody knows what Microsoft Copilot actually is. Mm -hmm. Is it a Bing extension? Is it a Visual Studio extension for coding? Is it a Microsoft Office 365, uh, or so, sorry, uh, Microsoft 365 <coughs> extension for different uh, applications inside the office? Uh, it's just everything is named Copilot. Mm -hmm. And even uh, I know that uh, one of the things that uh, actually uh, made me laugh a little bit because uh, was that um, a colleague of ours created a pilot. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, uh, why are we calling this a copilot? Let's create a pilot that's going to be able to code it by itself mm -hmm. uh, completely. Why should we bother? And it works. Yeah. So uh, this is one of those things when uh, you uh, try to understand what the company is doing and you suddenly realize that maybe... The reason why you are not making any sense out of what is happening is because nobody actually knows what they're doing. For me, Millennium was like a actual Millennium bug. I, I would say that if Millennium Edition came out today, uh, I think that nobody would notice. <laughs> uh, I think that it happened at least once during the Windows 10 era. Mm -hmm. Um, amidst all the different uh, versions, subversions, um, uh, the H2, whatever, the uh, Art Edition, uh, Autumn Edition, whatever what the editions were called, I think that at least one of those was so broken that it resembled what Windows MP was doing to you. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that uh, this hasn't happened yet. Okay. Well, so uh, Windows ME, Windows ME is probably uh, uh, is probably a thing that should be mentioned on this list, but I see another bigger problem here. This wasn't a failure. Yeah. Okay. I people get actually people actually bought it. Yeah. So they did. And with this Vista. is the worst thing. They bought Vista as well, which yes. was almost equally as bad. Almost. I think that the worst thing that Microsoft did uh, was the uh, Windows Eight. Nah, Windows 2 were worse. No, Windows 8, because what they did with Windows 8 is they, they created a product that was abysmally bad. And they then they tried to completely ignore that fact. And uh, they uh, tried to actually make people, uh, they, they were gaslighting people into thinking that Windows 8 never existed. <laughs> Do you remember when they said that you need to uh, upgrade to Windows 8.1? And then, uh, unless you want to completely lose the ability to work on your computer, yeah, yeah this is something like that. I remember. So this is one of those one of those things when I said Microsoft is completely lost his mind. But then again, uh, then came the new software as a service, uh, PC as a service, cloud PC as a and service, and Copilot. And Copilot. And now I honestly don't know anymore. I, I, so, I, I I'm just. Uh, at this point in time, in, even macOS looks like a decent, sane operating system.
it, it is a decent insane operating system whatever you say but with that being said which might be a topic for a future episode how might we co-pilot out of this episode and let you do the co-piloting okay uh, let me do the co-piloting uh i'm going to say that this was uh this was a slightly um i would say surprising list that uh, veteran compiled and i'm slightly disappointed why because i didn't i didn't get the um unless you count in uh, Windows semi uh the entirety of your what what you did was entertaining but it didn't had that catastrophic moment of complete misunderstanding what Microsoft did. Okay. What this thing is missing, the Nokia level of, Microsoft Nokia acquisition level of uh, disaster. Okay, Skype. Uh, <laughs> let's go for, for the end. Let's just go quickly through the acquisitions that Microsoft let's completely not. blew up. Yeah, let's not. Uh, okay, oh, wrap this just up. Just give me a second. No, 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 uh, no second. It's enough. <laughs> uh just a second i need i need this i need i need this because i need to actually uh quickly uh get through the things that they they uh, did wrong the problem is that as you know probably uh the list of things that microsoft bought is longer than the list of uh, things that you are buying over the entire year um so let's see uh Okay. Hotmail. Visio Corporation. Hotmail was fun. Hotmail was fun. Um, Hotmail was... But they they, they couldn't uh, do anything wrong with the Hotmail. Okay. Skype. Nokia. Skype. Okay. Uh, Mojang. Uh, LinkedIn. GitHub. Activision uh, Blizzard. Activision Blizzard. Acti- Activision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew where we are going with this. Activision. GitHub. Yeah. Uh, Nokia Solutions and Networks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, do you remember way back then when they were uh, first trying to buy Nintendo? Yes, I remember that as well. Uh, but that was many months ago. way back ago. then when, when they uh, decided they were, for some reason they're going to become a TV producer and then uh, try to uh, create their own TV station? Yeah. Um, but... Um, the thing is that with Microsoft is the same as it is with uh, almost other, almost all the other uh, big corporations. They are trying to buy new uh, corporations into it because they want either an IP or uh, they want to uh, get the portfolio running. But I'm going to just mention two things with that Microsoft bought. Um, because I, I just uh, t- took a look and uh, saw another amazing, uh, amazing example. Uh, Navision. Okay. Uh, because this is one of those things when I think that Microsoft just bought a company for no particular reason at all. I disagree, but okay. What, what was the point behind buying the Navision? Well, the things that they have nowadays. In the dynamic stack. Yes, but dynamic stack itself is uh, seems like Microsoft was trying to break into the uh, CRM uh, slash uh, uh, bookkeeping uh, business. Mm-hmm. 
because everybody else did it? No, because they have a market for SQL, wanted to take a little bit of money out of SAP and Oracle and others. Made a kind of sense. I know that it's something that is difficult to understand, but I do think that it makes sense, especially now when you have the SAS versions of those applications and whatnot. We are going, well, I just think that uh, the problem with all the lists, when you're listing all the failures that any, uh, corporation did or that anybody did, is that Microsoft is probably going to be on that list uh, simply because they're acquiring so many, uh, so many companies, so many products that they are bound to be on the list. Yeah. The same as with uh, Google, the same as with um, the thing that we also failed to mention. And I'm just going to put another uh, honorable mention on the end of this thing. Okay. Facebook. Yeah. Because I think that Facebook has been one of the slowest falling, uh, uh, falling into disgrace with all the different users uh, that we have seen in the f uh, history of IT. And I think at the same time, this was one of the most um, in incomprehensible wastes of money when it comes to developing a product. Okay. And I think that it should be mentioned because Facebook is going to fail and it is failing so slowly that nobody sees what is happening, but everybody knows that it is happening. Okay. Let it, so, so I'm, I'm going to guess this is going to be it. And also, uh, thank you for not mentioning any of the messages that Microsoft or, or and uh, Google did. Nah, didn't feel like that. Yes, because it, it, it's just a low-hanging fruit. No, it's too long of a list. Yes, also, also that. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you for this. Uh, we are going to be talking next week about... Something else. I don't know what. Yeah, I have a couple I, of ideas. I, I honestly have no... I, I have a couple of ideas also, but we are going to be dealing with those uh, next week. Until then, I'm Yasmin. Yeah, I, I'm Vedran, and see you next week. See you. Bye. Bye.